0: Welcome to the MarTech
2: Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss using content to improve your pipeline efficiency. Joining us is Mike Orr, who is the founder of Grapevine 6, which is a content engagement platform that accelerates your sales and marketing by using artificial intelligence to provide content that moves sales opportunities through the pipeline in a more efficient manner. Today, Mike is going to tell us about why he believes third-party content syndication can have a dramatic impact on your bottom line. Okay. Here's our interview with Mike Orr, the founder of Grapevine 6. Mike, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks very much. Great to have you here. I've played around a little bit with the Grapevine 6 tool. It looks like an incredibly powerful way for you to find and share content. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and how you got into Grapevine 6 and what you do in your words.
1: Fantastic. I'd love to give it the Starting point was about 15 years ago. I met some of the other co-founders at school. And we had a startup that was heavily invested in advertising technology, really rich media experiences on the web. And we ended up selling that company to a marketing agency and saw firsthand there at the marketing agency how brands were using content to engage their audiences. It was definitely shifting the way brands were thinking about advertising and they were trying to create dialogue and add value to their audiences using content. The challenge was that the tools and technology were so complicated and involved that they could never scale down to individuals. So when we stepped out to start get the band back together and build a product company, we really wanted to build something that was accessible to entrepreneurs like us, to individual salespeople out there building their businesses, and even smaller marketing agencies. So that's where we combined AI technology to make it really scalable and third-party content because it took too much work to create all this content and do it at scale.
2: I think there's two different parts that we need to unpack here. One, what's the overlap between personal brands and company brands? And two, why third-party content as opposed to your own? Let's start off with the first question. Where do you see it appropriate for people to share content themselves? And where should it be content that's coming from the brand?
1: For sure. And they're connected too. Because if you think about your personal brand, it's really a representation of your interests and what you're an expert in and what your relationships are about. And part of that is going to be your corporate brand. It's important that I work for Grapevine 6. But that's not the only thing about me that makes my brand personal. I'm also interested in different technology. And I'm interested in soccer. And I'm interested in a few different things. And I connect with people based on those interests. And when I'm out selling and promoting my company and talking to people about how I can solve their problems, I want to build as personal relationship as possible because people don't buy from brands. In the B 2 B2B space and in any considered purchase, ultimately, you're buying from the people you're going to work with, the people you want to trust. So that's where I need to build those connections is based on those shared interests and the topics that I'm really interested in. And one of those is going to be my company.
2: So there's an interesting overlap here where you know, you're know you a representative for your company. And I'll use this as an example, even though I'm a solopreneur and it's my company, I post content promoting the MarTech podcast on my LinkedIn profile. And so if I wasn't the person that was the owner and operator of the company and somebody else was the podcast host, they're posting trying to promote my business. On the flip side, those people might not always be with my company. So how do you reconcile the fluid nature of the workforce and people promoting brands that they work for?
1: That's a very interesting question. And it kind of goes to what I think is the evolution of social's impact, and especially in more of the B2B space. So consumer is a very different animal, I think. But when you're selling relationship-driven products and services, trying to promote them, that was always the concern that we heard starting out six or seven years ago was, I don't want these people are spending too much time on LinkedIn as it is. I don't want to build up their brand so that somebody comes across and promotes them and recruits them. What if they leave and take their Rolodex with them? That was always the problem with salespeople to begin with that everybody complained that, hey, they could just pick up and go from Oracle to SAP and take all their customers with them. Same in wealth where we were do a lot of work. And the flip side to that is, If you don't invest in those people and give them a chance to build their brand and build their relationships, they're not either going to be successful and they're going to stay at your company because nobody's going to recruit them. So you lose on both fronts in those cases. So it's kind of like the training analogy of if you don't invest in your people and training, then they'll probably just stay. But if you do invest, they may leave, but you're going to have much better people and they're going to stay because people want to work for companies that recognize that they have a lot of value.
2: It's interesting. I mean, the notion of developing the personal brand and using it as an asset for a company, that's probably not a new phenomenon. I think with social media, what you're seeing is people that have big networks leverage that as an asset and makes them more valuable. I also think that there's another component to play here, which is How not only companies, but people are responding to advertising where nobody wants to be sold to and more of the traditional formats of advertising are going away and being replaced by influencer marketing or personal relationships and personalization technology. There's just something about this format of marketing, which on some level I appreciate and I think is great. And on some level makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable because if I go to a company, the expectation is that I am them going to become a marketing vehicle for that company. What's the line where people that are working for organizations that are asking them to use their personal brand to market their service? You know, where is it appropriate to say yes? And where can you step back and say, I don't want to publish your content on my personal blog?
1: So what we've seen out there is that in a straight marketing value proposition of amplification or whatever that is, you're trying to drive more organic impressions of your brand. It's definitely going to be a transactional relationship with the employee or the person so that you're going to have to find some way to compensate them for that use of their network because there's no value in it for them. So we've seen things like campaigns to give away movie tickets or whatever it is that people can win by promoting this stuff. And it ends up being just another paid media channel. I think where it gets interesting for marketing is where you're investing in that individual as a thought leader, as somebody that should be respected and have a great network. Just the same way as you build them up through training and their own personal knowledge equity, you're working into building their relationship equity by giving them not just your own content, and hopefully that content adds a lot of value to their network. It isn't just a promotion or whatever. It's actually educational in some way or entertainment. But then you're also giving them third-party content or encouraging them to understand how to build their personal brand and relationship network because that's a huge value to them inherently. It doesn't extend beyond the brand. And then the more that they do that and the better they do at it, the more valuable their network is to you as a brand as well.
2: I think the takeaway here is that if you're the owner of a brand or if you're managing a team, asking them to post on their personal social networks without providing something back to them probably isn't the best way to handle it. Making sure that you're providing some sense of promotion or compensation for people being a marketing channel for your company is a good way to incentivize them to follow through and consistently post on your behalf. Talk to me about why you think that posting third-party content is valuable and an important marketing strategy.
1: I think it drives the authenticity of what you're doing as an individual and even as a brand. The ones that recognize, hey, I don't have all the answers and I'm not just obviously promoting solely my own stuff and I'm trying to get other viewpoints out there and find educational or valuable content that adds value to the people I'm connected to is going to increase your credibility. So ultimately, what we've seen is people move from strategies where, especially on the individual level, because at the brand, it's expected that, especially when they produce a lot of content, they're going to be sharing all their content. But I would say instead of sharing the same thing over and over and over and over again, try and mix in some third-party content or add that as a commentary on your own content. What we've seen is where people move from solely publishing their own content, even where they have a good mix of content, introduce third-party content, it lifts the engagement with their own content. So even though they're now publishing less of it or less of it as percentage overall, the engagement is higher because you've created an engaging persona out there. That person has now equity with their relationship that people trust them and they're going to actually click on the things that they're posting.
2: I think the takeaway here is that relevance is obviously important for whatever content you're posting, and it doesn't necessarily have to be your own content. If you have an audience that you're cultivating and you can share relevant information with them, you're providing utility and they're more likely to engage and respond with all of your content. So the stuff that's really meant to be transactional is just going to get a bigger audience. Talk to me about why you believe that sharing content first or third party improves pipeline efficiency. How does sharing content impact the bottom line?
1: I think what I've seen out there in some of the research and a lot of what's being done in the demand generation space is this need to have either A, authentic experiences and engagement with buyers to move them through a sales cycle, but then also just the volume of touch points that you need to have. And it provides a very soft pull touchpoint where you're not pushing another email message out to a buyer to try and move them through a cycle. You're not calling them incessantly. You're having these soft touchpoints that they can choose to engage with if it really interests and engages them. And if you've aligned that with your interests and the relationship that you've built, you can build up your own credibility and have a touchpoint with that buyer that isn't just about selling something. And if you have to get to 30 touchpoints to sell something, or if you have to get to 10... If you can get one or two or three or four even on social by posting content in a one broadcast means, then why wouldn't you do it?
2: There's a marketing data point here, which is the more you can consistently stay in front of your prospects or your customers or your lead, whatever stage of the buying journey, without overwhelming them, the better chance you're going to have at converting them. It's one of the things that I've learned running a content business is that the more we consistently published content, the more people engaged with all of our content, because if you're staying in front of somebody, they're just going to get used to looking at what you're saying. This is really a question of impression levels. Am I thinking about it the right way?
1: I think impressions for sure. And then at a certain level, it's credibility and trust. So if you have a consistent message and you're always creating value around that, I'm going to look at you as more of a thought leader in that space and somebody that knows what they're talking about than somebody that posts one thing every year on a completely unrelated topic. So those things can sometimes make the difference between a win and a loss. It's not going to necessarily take you from zero to 100, but maybe if it takes you from 50 to 51, that's enough, right? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. So one of the trends that I see is that brands, with the rise of marketing technology, are able to personalize their message and drive more resonance by trying to send the right message to the right person at the right time. When you're posting third-party content you're doing it across social networks, you're not specifically targeting one group. How do you reconcile this trend towards personalization and then blasting out messages that can be for a larger audience?
1: I think it's an interesting dimension of human psychology. It's actually a tension between wanting to be spoken to individually and thought of as really important personally and being put up on a pedestal, as well as wanting to be part of a group. Nobody wants to be the only person that buys that product. They want some social proof that there is other people in a community and that they're part of that community and they're all the really smart people in that community. So it's a different way of elevating their assurance that they're making the right decision and also the enjoyment of the experience of buying the product, whatever it is, or the service. So there's a ton of work going on in technology involved in hyper-personalization and making it all about that one buyer, that one individual. That buyer still wants to be part of a community and be part of somebody that... Hey, If my vendors are commenting on my content, which is the other side of being engaged in social, it's not just the content you publish, it's the content you engage with. That reflects on me socially, and it makes me look like hey, I know what I'm doing. So that I think is served by doing the hyper-targeted one-to-one communication and combine that with a broadcast community approach.
2: I think that there's a lot that we've covered in terms of not only why brands are focusing on getting their employees to start sharing their content, why mixing in third-party content with what you're sharing is important to keep yourself relevant, position yourself to be a subject matter expert, but also how keeping those impression levels up helps you stay relevant and affects the bottom line. So I think that this is a great stopping point for today. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about some tactical ways that you can find the right content and share it with the right audience. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Mike Orr, the founder of Grapevine 6, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Mike is going to tell us his practical tips for finding and posting relevant content. And if you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Mike, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet at Mikeor8, M-I-K-E-O-R-R, the number eight. Or you can visit his company's website, which is grapevine6.com, G-R-A-P-E-V-I-N-E, the number six dot com. A couple of links that I want to tell you about, which are in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you're a subscriber to the Martech podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap on LinkedIn and on Twitter, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Mike Orr, the founder of Grapevine 6, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. If you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we also have a once a week newsletter with links to our audio players, episode summaries, and the contact information for our guests. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com newsletter. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.